How are y'all? Doing all right? We all, we all drug in here this morning, and uh, most of us have been on spring break, and so you get here and you're just like, you're used to going about 60 miles an hour, and everybody comes in walking about 20 miles an hour. That's how I feel getting up here. I'm like, do I have to, do I need to upshift, downshift? I don't know. We're just going to jump in. If you've been here the last few weeks, we've been walking through the book of 2 Timothy. And it's uh, Paul's, uh, believed to be Paul's final letter to Timothy before his death. And there is a lot going on. Uh, he's through chapters 1 through 4. It's not a relatively long book, but through chapters 1 through 4, Paul is encouraged Timothy, he's built him up. He said, hey, these are the things you're doing right. Hey, look out for these pitfalls. Paul has this, his, this idea in his mind, leadership is being transferred. And I need to tell you all that I know because I don't know that I'll see you again. And so he's rounded out chapter 3, if you were here with us last week, talking about the, the prominence and the prevalence and the importance of Scripture and how it directs and leads us. And it flows directly. I want to encourage you, if you go back and read these things, to try and read it all together, because it's a letter. Like, he didn't break it up into chapters when he sent it. He was, it's one thought flowing into another thought. So I want to encourage you when you read that to to try and come back, if you're going out of chapter 3 to chapter 4, to take that last paragraph of chapter 3 and look at it as an idea that flows into chapter 4. So the, pre- the importance of Scripture, the authority of Scripture, and how it is God-breathed and is designed to, for all the good works that God wants to do in us, to correct us, to encourage us, to do all the things. And then he comes into chapter 4. And he does something, and we're going we're gonna to focus on the first part of it, where he gives this commissioning to Timothy. And he uses a phrase that he has not used elsewhere that holds a a higher degree of severity. I guess that's the best way to say it. If we start, we'll look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom preach the word. Or excuse me, and by his appearing and his kingdom, colon, and then he's going to give us some some instructions. But I want to point out right here, he says, I charge you, this word can mean demand. In previous versions, he's, he's given instructions a little bit more lightly. They haven't been that heavy. They haven't been demands He's been like, hey, here is a good point to look out for. Here's a good thing to focus on. Here's a good um, guideline. And then there are some hard commands about morality and sin and things like that. But in this final section of his letter, build all of this building up to it, he says, I charge you, essentially in the presence of the Lord, God is my witness. I demand that you do these things. Now, we... Just hear it in, a, in, a, in the context of relationship where a spiritual father is telling a spiritual son, I'm transferring the mantle of leadership. So he charges him in the presence of God, preach the word, be ready in and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming 
when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that will accumulate for themselves teachers that suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wandering off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So there's a lot, there's a lot packed into that. And we're going we're gonna to unpack it a bit. So I don't want you to get lost in the in Bible verse reading land where it was like, and the Lord's... Stay, stay with me. We're going to reference these things point by point about what Paul is trying to emphasize to Timothy and why it's important. So in his final commission, there are essentially, I've broken down six points to say, hey, this right here, this right here, in the presence of the Lord, I charge you to, number one, preach the word. Now, in the context of Timothy, he's, this is a pastoral letter. We know that he is also preaching. But if we take this and apply it to our lives and look at it as though Paul is, is communicating to us as well, how do we preach the word if our physical job is not standing up and preaching the word? Well, I'll, I'll give you a hint. You preach the word. That breaks down, I look at it as proclaiming and living out the scripture in your life. If the word is in you and you are in the word and it is a sharp tool that, that corrects and encourages and builds and tears down as it did in chapter 3, if that is in you and you are taking it in, then those things are going to exude from you. Holy Spirit, I've heard it put this way, Holy Spirit is, is a... Is a, is a well within you, an unending well. That implies that there's a constant source. He's not a lake. He's not just a body of water in you. He's a well that's meant to be tapped, that's meant to overflow out into other people. So preach the word by living out the scriptures. And earlier we see this in, in um, chapter 2, verse 15 of the same book. Paul says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Scripture or preaching the word is more than just saying it out loud. Preaching the word is living it out loud, being unashamed of it. Not that you have to go and hit everybody you see in the face with a Bible but that it's evident by your, the fruit in your life that the word is in you. This is contrasted by the gospel is not just word, but is power. And this is contrasted by the gospel of the world, which is powerless and self-centered. So when we, so when we walk out, just like we talked about, Several weeks back, when we are discipled, when we are choosing to be a disciple, if we are a disciple of the Lord, the word, we preach the word and the word is walked out in us. But when we are a disciple of the world, the world's gospel is lived out and evident in our lives. And that is a gospel that is powerless to change, that is subject to itself and to its problems and trains us to divide and hate one another. Heavy enough? Did we go straight in super heavy? All right, that was point one. There's only 78 more. 
preach the word. Number two, be ready in and out of season. I had to sit here with this one for a minute because I think I, get, I got the gist of it, but I was like, when is there an out of season? And I think that's the point. <laughs> my, my thought was, what do you mean out of season, Lord? But we, you remember things that were out of, Jesus gets to make unreasonable expectations of us. Amen? Amen? That's a hard amen. Jesus gets to make unreasonable expectations of us. If you remember back, Jesus goes to a fig tree out of season looking for fruit. And when he doesn't find it, he curses it. That's always boggled my mind. I was like, what did you expect? It's, it's wintertime. Ain't no fruit on there. But Jesus is allowed to expect and produce fruit in our lives even when we're not at church, not at a church function, have not recently proclaimed that we're a Christian or wearing some kind of Christian T-shirt, when we have the Jesus Fish sticker on our bumper. He is allowed to expect us to operate when it's convenient in the Spirit and when it is inconvenient. So be ready, readily obedient in whatever the circumstance. This alludes, this, this, this alludes to a lifestyle of walking with God. So when you walk with God in the good and the bad and the mediocre and the boring and the frustrating and the sad, and you're used to tapping into Holy Spirit and communing with Holy Spirit and all those things, you are ready in and out of season. If you punch the church box, the church time, time card, and go, well, I got my Jesus in on Sunday, or maybe you're super spiritual and you go on Wednesdays and get a couple of days in, and then the rest of the time you're just doing whatever you want to. The Lord is something you incorporate to feel better twice a week. Then you'll find yourselves in moments out of season. Does that make sense? This is yes. This is no. Okay. So be ready in and out of season. In John 15, 9, it says, As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Did you know that God the Father loves you? 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 With an equal love that he loves Jesus equal love what in the mess i it, it it only gets these these fine little details only come come out every so often you might read read a verse two three times or maybe like me you encounter a verse that's been made into a song so you just sing the song through the verse as you read it and you don't really get anything because you just sang it through there but crazy things crazy little details come out like god you love me with the same love you love Christ. And I'm pretty sure the love you love Christ with is intense. Intense. Abide in that love. If you want to be ready in and out of season, abide in God's love. Number three, patiently 
We're going to pause and repeat that. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage with good teaching. The, uh, a couple other different versions say with complete patience. And, y'all, this is a challenge for me because I hold, I hold myself to high expectations. Um, so lots of times unreasonably high expectations. And I have to be patient with myself. I have to have grace for myself. If you've been part of our Wednesday night Bible study, Mark Batterson is part of this study in Philippians, talks about love equaling grace plus truth. And it's very easy. I'm one of the same people that when we read here, we, we see correct rebuke and encourage. And we're like, game on. Jeremy, I got to have words with you seeing this in your life and very easy to dive into the task without any grace without any patience because what if the Lord wants you to be an example that corrects what if the Lord wants you to proclaim the word preach the word through your life so that that person can see the good teaching in 2 Timothy, in the, in the earlier in the chapter, uh, chapter 2, in verse 22 through 25, he says, Run from anything that stimulates youth, youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. So earlier in the same letter, he gives us an example to gently instruct, to gently correct, but with these, with these um, disclaimers of you're not supposed to be quarrelsome. You're not, in, you're not entering into it to fight. And you're supposed to express kindness. So there's this element of love here. And then down here it says, if you do those things, if you gently, patiently, gracefully, lovingly, kindly instruct those or set the example or listen to Holy Spirit, whatever that direction is, perhaps God will. Perhaps God will change that person's heart. Perhaps the Holy Spirit will bring the required conviction. I don't know if y'all know this. I didn't know it until probably about five years ago. That conviction is Holy Spirit's job. Not my job. Jesus said, love everyone. Does that mean we don't hold people accountable? No. But that means that we hold people accountable in the context of relationship where there is love and safety that says, you know what, you failed, and we might have to make some changes, but I still love you. I still love you with the same love that Christ has for me because Lord knows he done forgiven me 15, 11, 28 times. Amen? Amen. 
And forgive me, I got started to have snot earlier this week, and it has persisted. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage. Encourage is in there. Not just, not just knife hand, not just hit over the head with a hammer, but also say, hey, you're doing it good. You're doing it right. Keep on keeping on. Number four, be sober-minded. There's a couple of other translations I had looked at, and they've used the, used the term clear-minded. And the first thing that comes to mind is like, don't be high. Don't be inebriated. And while there's a degree of truth in that, I think what Paul is emphasizing to Timothy is to be firmly planted in identity. Secure, your helmet of salvation is securely attached because the helmet of salvation protects your mind. When the helmet of salvation is securely in place, you're not swayed by lies because the truth is so prevalent. The truth is so clear in your mind. The mind is where spiritual warfare begins because we ideas become realities and when we entertain lies they become our realities in proverbs 23 verse 7 it says for as a man thinks in his heart so he is so your private inner dialogue determines a great deal of your outer reality and how you behave when you are secure in your identity, when you are sober-minded in who Christ says you are, because God comes to you and says, when I look at you, I don't see a blemish, and I'm happy to talk to you. I'm excited to be in your presence. You are worth this relationship, and you haven't, I made it, I fixed it all. All I want you to do is just enter into relationship with me. There's no prerequisite other than us choosing Jesus. There's no Jesus and. There's just Jesus. So let me encourage you. It, it, it goes against everything in, in me when I say this because I like to add buts to things. B-U-T, not two T's. It's okay to laugh. I always like to say there's grace, comma, but. And as uncomfortable as it's been, the Lord has shown me that there's just grace. And I'm like, man, but we're not supposed to just tell people that they can keep sinning. And he's just like, yeah, but there's grace. There's so much grace. And should we use that as an excuse to keep sinning? No. No, we shouldn't. If anything, it should yield us to the reality of who we are in Christ and free us from that because that's what Jesus has done. But I hesitate to say how full and how deep and how wide the grace of God is because I don't want to enable people. And God's like, that's not your job. You, you're not that powerful <laughs> or impressive. <laughs> There's so much grace. Guys, they're just grace. It will empower you to do other things. But I want to tell you right now, there is no 
depth of which you can run away that God cannot redeem you. I'll try not to just immediately have an altar call. Colossians 4.2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Being sober-minded is to be able to think clearly, to critically think, to engage with the Lord, and to be able to commune. You've heard the difference, the definition difference between hearing and listening, between hearing and comprehending. This is the same thing. Being firm in identity, but also being clear-minded allows us to hear God clearly, whether that's through Scripture or through another person who's, who's being obedient. To hear God and to comprehend what he's saying so that you can walk out obedience because it's a two-way thing. He's not just like launching, launching little, little uh, divine signs that he puts down in front of you and it's like, go left, now go right. Sometimes that happens. And that's it. It's not a one-way communication. It's a two-way communication where you're talking to God and God is talking to you. And we have to, when we understand that, it, we see the importance of being sober-minded in our communication with God. Because if, if you leave this, you get, you get some of these people that go, well, I can't talk to God unless I insert activity that alters their consciousness, whatever it is. Well, I feel close to God when I enter into this non-sober-minded state. And we have to be clear that God wants to communicate even if you don't think you can be communicated with. You know how many times he's talked to me when I thought he ain't hearing a word I'm saying? Or I've just, done, I've just been done sinning. And then I was just like, well, now I got to go earn some, some of God's love. And he's just like, you don't have to do that. I'm like, Wait a minute. Being sober-minded convicts us of our righteousness. If you're taking notes, write down, convicted of righteousness. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Clear-minded is focused on Jesus and con being convicted of the accomplishment that he's made. So let me give you, I heard this supremely excellent analogy from a man named Luke who heard it from someone else. So just so you know, it's not my original don't take credit for it. He heard a lawyer explaining con the conviction process and how, how that word is defined by the court system and how it relates to faith. And he brought up that in the court system, the conviction represents what a group of people, the jury, the court, based on the body of evidence, believed happened. So conviction does not mean... Um, Conviction means a strongly held belief. So these people of the court, based on what the evidence that was presented, strongly believed that this was the likely occurrence. And that represents the conviction of the court. Well, when you go to heaven's court, 
and you bring your sin, and you are a believer in Jesus, the whole court looks at you when you say, well, I've sinned and I've messed up. They go, well, hold on, here's the body of evidence, and we don't see any other way that you're not a child of God, that this is not who you are. We are convicted, we want you to be convicted of your right standing as a son or daughter in Christ. So when you come with conviction from the Holy Spirit, he's affirming in you who you are. He's not coming at you to say, look what you did wrong. Look at all this messed up stuff you did. That's not conviction. Conviction says, hey, son, hey, daughter, I've just looked at the evidence of who you are, and this doesn't fit that category. This doesn't fit that. Why don't you come with me and let me show you what the evidence says? about you. So important. Be convicted of your righteousness. In Jesus' name, be convicted of your righteousness. Number five, endure suffering, everybody's favorite one. (laughs) If you've been with us for any degree of time, we've all had to endure some kind of suffering. But the only thing I come back to more and more is that suffering is what is the most efficient means of sanctifying us. You, do, do you want to be more like the Lord? Hold on. Here we go. Not because he wants to cause bad things, but do you know how easy it is to lean on something that's not Jesus when you're, not com- when you're comfortable? When you're just chilling, it's real easy to ignore the Lord. But man, when the suffering comes, whatever kind, physical, mental, emotional, when the suffering comes, by God, you figure out whose boat you're on. I don't know how some of these people that live through tragedy that don't believe in Jesus go through it. I don't know. Because I'm able to grab securely to the anchor of Christ and be like, Lord, I know this sucks right now but I know that you'll deliver me. Endure suffering. Second Peter, or excuse me, Second Timothy, earlier in chapter 3, just before, just before uh, chapter 4, verse 12. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Don't hear me like a broken record saying that there, there's only suffering. Because there's not. There's joy. There's peace. There's good times. There's, there's like we talked about earlier, uh, engaging in the community of believers. And there's all the goodness that comes with that. And the engagement with the Lord and the miracles and the wonders and all the things. That, that's there. But it's there so that we can endure some of those things. Because the world is opposite to that. So being soldiers on the front lines of this in-between eternity and Christ's death and resurrection, we are warring on the front lines of the kingdom with love. We are on the front lines, and we can't be, we can't be surprised when people don't receive us well because we are the exact opposite of what they would like to happen. We hold ourselves to a different standard. Lots of, I, I, I don't want to say this, lots of times that is a different draw. That draws them to Jesus. Your light draws them. Do you, anybody in here have a friend that maybe, maybe they're 
a believer, or maybe they're not a believer. But when they got problems, your phone rings. And you sit there and talk to them, and you encourage them. And you're just like, yeah, I'll pray for you. But when you say that, you actually mean it. And maybe you hang up and actually pray for them. And you're able to appreciate that this person really, really is coming to Jesus. You just happen to be the representative at that time. If you don't appreciate that, that's happening in your life. That's there. You are either, you are representing Christ to those around you. You are Christ, you are Christ as a resource at different times. And if, if you're not, I'm not saying you're doing it wrong if you're not. Don't hear me saying that. But ask yourself, like, when I, when I do get into crisis, am I fleeing to the Lord or am I fleeing to the Lord and another person? Like, what's happening there? How do I handle the suffering and the, and the physical discomfort that comes my way as I walk with Jesus? Because it's part of it. 1 Peter 4, verse 1. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Good news. You want to be done with sin? Embrace the suck. If you have had to endure suffering on behalf of Jesus, sin is not well-rooted in you. Amen? That's encouragement. If you have suffered because of Christ, if you have endured, whether that's a painful suffering, whether that's a, a self-control suffering through someone else, whether that's, whether that's sacrificing for someone or sacrificing on behalf of yourself or loving despite not being loved back or expressing the fruits and the gifts regardless of reciprocation. If you have suffered for Jesus, sin does not have a foothold in your life. And number six, fulfill your ministry. For Timothy, he was an evangelist. He was a pastor. He was called to leave the church in Ephesus. And that's what Paul's emphasizing. But this whole letter, he's, he's talking about stay the course, stay the course, run the race, be a good soldier, follow the rules, be a good athlete, be a good farmer and, and, and tend to, the, to your crops and, and work the harvest. There is an emphasis on purpose, and that same emphasis comes in our life. We all have a ministry to fulfill. It might not be a vocational ministry where you're a paid staff member on a church, but there are things that you are designed to do that no one else is designed to do, and only you can fulfill them. Ephesians 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things he planned for us long ago. Y'all have heard it before. Like I, I don't know how to say it any more plainly. There are people in your, that you are only going to encounter. That your light, that Christ shines through you, is the only light they're going to see. And so you have to keep these things in mind. You have to have the, the proclaim the word in your life through your actions. You have to be ready in and out of season. You have to be patient with difficult people and endure suffering 
to fulfill your ministry because you have to represent Christ to people that don't know what Jesus is. And if they just see the world in you, then there's no difference to cling to. So he's given us all these commissionings, these these attributes, these action points. But I want to take you back just a little bit, just a little bit into verses 3 and 4. That why are all these things important? And verses 3 and 4 say, For a time is coming when the people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This is coming, so therefore, please be strong in these six areas. And so I want to ask yourself, like, do my ears itch? I don't, I don't think I said it. The title of this message is Don't Scratch the Itch. <laughs> I want to give you some, some of those points, bro, some of those attributes of itching ears real quickly so that you can, you can have them in your mind so that you can see if there are tendencies in your own life. I know there, there are in mine. Itching ears won't endure sound teaching. Teaching that calls out and disaffirms sin. Teaching that corrects or reproves. They can't, you, itching ears can't stand to listen to it or sit through it. Itching ears accumulate for themselves teachers that suit their own passions. They seek out people that will affirm their sin and their brokenness and won't ask them to change and won't won't point them to something more. They tell you, itching ears love to be told what they want to hear. I don't know if you know about a thing called the internet, but it is the biggest example of accumulating for yourselves teachers that will suit your own passion. We were talking about it in our Bible study that if you want to be reinforced in something, there's somewhere on the internet that will reinforce it. If you want to believe that the, that the Lord was a unicorn and that he came down on a spaceship, there's a website somewhere that will tell you that. <laughs> you will have a cited source. <laughs> we live in a, in, a, in a time where information is at the tips of our fingers, and we are the gatekeepers. We get to decide how to engage with that information. And I saw it put um, pretty plainly, information makes smart people smarter and stupid people stupider. Like, if 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 you are locked in to a downward trajectory, the internet will reinforce that downward trajectory. It's just the same way how advertisement works. You're at your house, you haven't told anybody about it, but you thought, you thought in your mind, we need garbage bags. And Facebook is like, do you need garbage bags? It's designed to give you what you want. So if you want something that's not the truth of Scripture, it will give it to you. It's so easy. It's so easy. So I want to I I encourage you to, to guard your heart. Guard your heart not only 
because there's so much information that can influence it, but that you might commune with Holy Spirit even as you take in um, different things to hear to hear the voice of the Lord be like, hey, let's, let's, let's downshift here. Let's not go fully into it. I, I, I have a specific example where I was listening to a teaching, and it was a teaching about um, Jesus and how we came to the conclusion, how the church came to the conclusion, 100% God, 100% man, 100%. 100 plus 100 equals 100. And um, there's, there's different schools of thought and wide variety of places, but the church as a whole has come down and agreed on the doctrine of 100% God, 100% man. We don't know how, that's what it is. So I was listening to somebody talk about that, and they began to express a certain opinion. And they had been a good teacher up to that point about different things I had taken in. But as I began to hear it, it was controversial in my mind, but I was going to persist to be open-minded. I was like, you know what? I need to hear it. I need to be able to hear alternate sides. I don't need to just embrace my own ideology and just decide to die on this small hill over here. Let's hear what they have to say. But after that, Holy Spirit, I sat with Holy Spirit and he was like, this is, this is what you heard, but this is what I think. And it gave me, because I'm, I'm a pretty black and white person. I like to decide on something and hold on to it. And it gave me room to come back to the center, to be with Jesus, to hear what he had to say, to read the scripture and be reaffirmed in not only, not only tr- the truth of just scripture being scripture, but also the mystery that I don't have to have it all figured out. Praise God, I don't have to have it all figured out. But the key here is that Holy Spirit was speaking while I was taking in some information. And so I want to encourage you that Holy Spirit is also speaking to you as you partake of whatever it is that you partake, to be sensitive to him, because sometimes he's going to say, let's, let's back off this for a minute. It might not be a bad thing. But he may say, let's go in a different direction. And I don't, I don't say that to say what you're doing is incorrect. What I say that to say is we have to be ready in and out of season. And that we have to be sensitive to Holy Spirit in all circumstances. Because he may ask us to make a change when it doesn't make sense to make a change. They'll turn, itching ears will turn away from listening to the truth. Now this is a pretty self, it's a pretty strong one. They'll just reject scripture's authority. Itching ears reject Scripture's authority. And then when you come to speak on the basis of Scripture, the itching ears will also dismiss that because Scripture doesn't have the weightiness it should. Now, it's very easy to sound condemning here, but what I want to point out is that we all have itching ears to a degree. We all want to justify something in our life at some point or another that Scripture may be not so explicitly telling you not to, or you might be able to jump through and do some, do some weird hoop jumping that says, you know what, technically it doesn't say anything in here about that, so I'm good. And we're ignoring Holy Spirit's conviction about it for us in particular. Don't turn away from listening to the truth. Hear when someone whom you love and whom loves you comes to patiently correct, rebuke, or encourage you with good teaching. Hear them. Hear the whole thing. Go to the Lord. Hear the whole thing. 
listen. Because if it's in the context of a loving relationship, they're not there for their own selfish gain. They're there because they love you. And finally, wandering off into myths. Man, when we reject Scripture's authority, when we don't have, we talked about it in our, when we talked about discipleship a couple months back. When we untether from the anchor of Scripture, is anyone in here surprised when you find yourself floating in a weird place? Scripture keeps us from being adrift in the world. If you, if you reject the core, if you reject Scripture's authority and refuse to listen to that as your truth, you will go find a truth of your own. And maybe it's close to what you were learning about, maybe it's different, but it will somehow satisfy these other desires. It will distract you from preaching the word. It will make you unprepared. It'll isolate you from relationship, from correction, from encouragement. Your mind will be cloudy. You won't have a grid for suffering. You won't be able to fulfill your purpose. You'll find new truths that suit your lifestyle and distract you from what God has. It says they'll wander off into myths. For Paul's uh, day and time, that was, that, could, that was Greek mythology. That was the religions of the day. But there's plenty to wander off into. Plenty of distractions that the enemy would like to set your heart on so that you don't fulfill your ministry. First Timothy, in this Paul's first letter, chapter 1, verse 4. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussions of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculation, which don't help people live, which don't help people live a life of faith in God. In Proverbs 14, 12, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. If you're not walking with the Lord, if you're not anchored in the Word, if you're not in communion with Holy Spirit, if you're not executing these six areas to some degree, we'll find a path that seems right. And we'll be surprised when it ends in death. So I want to encourage you. I'm not here to... don't. Don't hear me coming in to condemn you or come at you with shame or guilt because I have these things in my life too. My ears itch at times and I have to yield myself to the Lord and say, you know what, open, open my heart here. And that's a hard thing to ask because it's going to get uncomfortable. But the key is to just remain, abide in his love and in communion with him because he's not going to let you stumble and fall. He's going to hold you by the hand. But you have to be yielded and in, in, in a place that says, you know what, you love me so much that you're not going to let me stay broken. You're going to redeem me. You're going to restore me. You've cut sin out of my life. I've been created for so much more than sin.
all have itching ears at some point. So I want to pray for us. And I encourage you to, if you took notes, the big, the big thing that keeps coming back to my mind is just to be convicted of your right standing. Convicted of your right standing. If you know who you are, it's real hard for the enemy to get you off track. Father, thank you. Thank you for solid rocks to stand on, the solid rock of Christ to stand on, your scripture to give us a clear picture of who you are. I pray, Lord, that you would show us where our ears itch, that you would show us where we have a blind spot because we all have them. I have them. Lord, show us, shine your light into every corner of our heart. And may we not count darkness in our hearts as light. Invade every, every space, Jesus, that we might know you more, that we might become like you more, that we might proclaim the gospel in its fullness in our entire life. In Jesus' name, amen.